Before we jump into this episode, let's hear from DJ JC and the Brutal Block, exclusively on Super Cool Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is DJ JC, and I'm one of the DJs over at Super Cool Radio. I host a one-hour metal show called The Brutal Block. We have new episodes every Tuesday, dropping at noon. So if heavy metal music is something that you're into, then make your way over to the Brutal Block. Throw up the horns, and let's get rocking! Hello everyone, I am Matthew Thomas. This is Super Cool Radio. I'm very excited for this episode. have a great guest joining me at this time. He is the drummer for Smile Empty Soul. You can catch him on tour with Autumn Academy and Stone Eye as part of the Follow the Herd Tour starting on April 28th. Please welcome Ty Del Rose. How's it going, everybody? Great to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, joining me for this episode. I'm, I'm, As I said, I'm very excited to uh, chat with you uh, at this time. Right on, my man. The pleasure is mine. <laughs> so before I uh, really jump into everything, I know you and Smile Empty Soul have been very busy lately. But I'm going to start with a fun question. What music have you been listening to this week outside of Smile Empty Soul? What music have I been listening to this week? So I uh, actually had a long drive. So I live in California, but my family's out here in Illinois. So I actually made a nice long road trip. And one of my favorite things to do on road trips is just look for new music. And so I'll have a bunch of Spotify playlists and I, you know, you have the recommended tunes and you can just cycle through a million times and find all kinds of cool stuff so i've actually been on a bit of a brazilian jazz kick which is interesting i i listen to a little bit of everything like even like some of the off the wall stuff that like no one would ever guess but yeah you know i, I found some some brazilian jazz tune i liked and just you know the playlist just kept growing from there and you know <laughs> I, not expecting i was not expecting that answer i've heard a lot of different answers but brazilian jazz has not been one of them Right. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff, man. Um, but besides that, I've been revisiting a lot of like my old, like early 2000s, like hip hop and pop tunes from when I was in middle school and high school. Like, like there's been like a lot of like Outkast and Ja Rule. I'm trying to think who else, like uh, Eminem, like, you know, all that old stuff that was popular when I was like a kid. Like I've been in like that nostalgic phase where I've been revisiting some of those old classics. And of course I'm big on classic rock, like Led Zeppelin, Rush are my two favorite bands. And so I've been jamming a nice little melting pot of everything. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. I haven't heard uh, Outkast in a very long time. It uh, brings me back to the Matt Hoffman uh, Pro BMX days, if you ever played that video game. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so it sounds like, uh, a, as you said, a very nice uh, melting pot, a lot of different music. A lot yeah. of stuff I was not expecting, but I, I can dig it. I can get down with that. That's awesome. Yeah, I find beauty in all kinds of music. Like I don't like to limit myself to just, just rock or just pop or just anything, you know. Like there's there's beauty to be found in everything. Oh yeah, for sure. I this year I've definitely been consciously trying to like listen to stuff I, I maybe normally wouldn't listen to. 
you know, I'm not trying to listen to like bad, you know, mu music. I know it won't like, but like just trying to expand my kind of, uh, you know, boundaries and horizon with a lot of different music. So that's what I've been trying to do this, this year, at least. That's awesome. It's always a good time. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, uh, as, uh, for you, uh, so before Smile Empty Soul, how did you get started, uh, as a musician? Okay. So when I was in fifth grade, my band director came to our classroom and was telling us about the band program. And as soon as he mentioned that we were going to record a CD, I was sold. I was like, Ooh, I'll do it. So we had to pick three instruments that we wanted to learn. And for me, it was between the saxophone, the trumpet and percussion. And I really wanted to do the saxophone first because I just thought the saxophone was a cool instrument. But when I went to hold it, you know, I was a scrawny little kid. I wasn't very strong and the sax was kind of heavy for me. So like, this isn't going to work. Um, so when I tried the trumpet, like there's a certain way you got to blow into it, like a certain technique and I couldn't figure it out. So, but when, when I had the percussion, when they put the little practice pad in front of me, you know, the director showed me a little pattern and I just, it came naturally to me. And then they busted out the set of bells and showed me a melody. I played the melody back and I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm sticking with. It's just coming natural. It's easy. I like it. So, and then I just went on from there. I continued on into seventh grade and then I quit the band program when I went into middle school because I had a different director that wasn't so nice to work with. He was kind of a jerk. Um, he, he had a tendency to humiliate you in front of the whole class if you made a mistake or if you did something out of line. And it just got a little draining for me. So I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. So I started taking drum lessons instead just at this local music shop in Crest Hill, Illinois called Mr. Bill's. It's sadly no longer around. It's like a bookstore now or something like that. But that's where I learned how to play the kit. You know, I, I had a drum set that I got for my 12th birthday and I was taking lessons to get better at, you know, starting off learning rock songs. And then we, we went into jazz fusion and started studying different like jazz fusion techniques and grooves and dynamics and all that stuff. And uh, then when I was 15, my next door neighbor at the time played guitar. And, you know, he would sometimes hear me bashing on the drums next door because, you know, I, I was a pretty loud hitter. <laughs> and uh, so one day, inevitably, we ended up getting together and just started jamming. And he, he was really into the whole like 80s glam metal scene, like Motley Crue, Poison, you know, all that stuff. He was really into that. And I was more into like the classic, like, you know, Rush and Zeppelin and like Iron Maiden and stuff like that at the time. So like our influences kind of connected a little bit. And then we had a, a bass player that I played football with in middle school. And he was also really good friends with my neighbor. And so we all just kind of came together and started a band. Um, first we were called Schism and then we changed our name to Down and Dirty a little bit later. And we kind of did the whole the whole glam metal thing for a little bit. And uh, we did Rocklahoma in 2009, which was a fun time. My, my, my next door neighbor went down to the Rocklahoma the year before and made some connections. And through that, we were able to get into the, the VIP uh, campground the next year and do a little set like to close the whole thing out, which was kind of cool. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And, uh, you know, to, to do like a huge music festival, especially like not, uh, you know, just kind of not not starting out but like kind of your first kind of exposure like huge uh music festival probably was probably a lot of fun though yeah it was a lot of fun we were only 17 at the time we weren't even old enough to drink or smoke or party or anything like that it was just you know we're these little high school kids that you know, came down to do this fest all the way from chicago and so <laughs> it was cool and it opened up a lot of doors like i ended up parting ways after that just because like at the time like i kind of wanted to push in a different direction musically and so we were kind of clashing creatively and personally a little bit at the time you know when, you, when you're young and you're a kid you know you, you can kind of be stubborn and set in your ways and 
you know, it, you're learning how to like work as a team as you, as you go, you know? So, um, I ended up moving on and started playing in some pop punk bands cause that was what was popular around when I was a kid at the time where I grew up and uh, made connections through that. And then just kept working my way through various bands from there. Yeah, it sounds really cool, especially, I mean, you're starting, uh, you know, starting uh, fifth grade playing drums and just kind of progressing through there, seeing all the progression. I think it's really cool. Uh, so how'd you get, uh, uh, how'd you join uh, Smile and Be Soul? Okay, so in 2016, I was playing in a band called Romantic Rebel, and this was the first band that I actually, like, you know, toured with. Like, I'd always done just kind of local stuff up until that point. And I was actually at a point in my life where, you know, I'd been in so many bands, you know, trying to find the right group of guys and or trying to you know get to a certain point and it just didn't feel like anything was happening so i was kind of at this point where i was disillusioned and i was ready to succumb to the whole nine to five lifestyle and and all that but i had made a band mix profile back in like 2012 or 2013 when i was in a band and you know we were kind of limited to our schedule and i'm like well i want to do a little bit more so i'm just going to kind of put myself out there and see what happens and for a couple of years, like I didn't really get anything off of that profile. And then, then one day I get a message out of the blue from the guitarist of this band called Romantic Rebel. And they were an active rock band from Chicago and they were touring, you know, they had, you know, a record out and, you know, were looking to tour and hopefully sign to a label and all that. And they, they needed a fill in drummer for Louder Than Life in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, I'll totally do it. So, I kind of just threw out there when we were rehearsing that, you know, if you, if this works out, you know, I'd be down to do more shows and stick around. And they were like, okay, that's good to know. So anyway, so I, I toured with them for pretty much most of the end of 2015, the beginning of 2016. And the last tour that we did together was as direct support for Smile Empty Soul. And so that was like a two month tour all across the U.S. And, you know, long story short, things went to shit with, with Romantic Rebel on that run. Um, I won't get into all the details, but yeah, it just, it just wasn't working out. So we ended up kind of falling apart on that run. But, you know, two years later, fast forward, and uh, Sean found himself in a position where he needed a fill-in drummer for an upcoming tour. And so he reached out to me on Instagram out of the blue one day. He's like, hey, bro, like, you know, I might need a fill-in drummer for tours. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, fuck yeah, that's something I'd be interested in. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> so, yeah, and then um, I played my first show with Smile on August 30th, 2018, which was actually two years to the day that I played my last show with Romantic Rebel, which was kind of funny. But, yeah, that's how it happened. You get those coincidences in life where stuff kind of just you know lines up, or you know the anniversary or stuff like that. It's always cool when you know life kind of does uh, unique things like that. Absolutely, <laughs> but it, that's really awesome. I know, like you know, for you, like definitely listening to um, you know the live, you know, Smile and Be So Live, like the new album, uh, Black Pill. Like I, I can really like I really like like the whole kind of aesthetic of Smile and Be So, like the whole like sound and vibe you guys got going. Oh, thank you, my man. Of course, uh, but uh, and like for you, like, um, has there been any like drummers that you, like your your favorite drummers you kind of uh, you looked up to, or like uh, some that influenced you uh, growing up? Oh, absolutely. So um, my two biggest influences are Neil Peart from Rush and John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. You know, rest in peace to both of them. You know, they're oh, both fantastic awesome. drummers, like two of the greatest drummers to have ever lived. Um, another drummer that I'd consider like a huge influence, you know, one that I think is not talked about enough is uh, Dave Abrazis. He's one of Pearl Jam's former drummers back in 
from 91 to 94 when they were in their prime, you know. And Matt Cameron's another favorite drummer of mine. He's with Pearl Jam now and used to play in Soundgarden. Um, Tony Royster Jr. is another monster drummer I like. Chad Gracie from Live, um, another drummer I think isn't talked about enough. Like there's so many fantastic drummers from like the early 90s grunge scene that, you know, really influenced me a lot. And like classic rock drummers, jazz drummers, like if if it, if the if the rhythms captivate me and the energy's there, like you know, I, I take influence from it. You know, <laughs> that's a really good way of looking at it. If it, you know, if it connects with you and hits you, I mean, that's it's always something to take influence with. Absolutely. And I know I did, I did mention uh, so the latest album from Swallow Be Soul released in the end of last year is uh, Black Pilled. Uh, so uh, I believe you were, you recorded with uh, for that album, I believe, right? Yes, I did. So uh, how how was it uh, recording that album? Because I think it's a little bit of a different, um, you know, it still like has a smile up your soul vibe to it. But I think it's, I, I really like just the whole, uh, like listening to the album, like the whole completeness of it. I think it's it's a little bit different. I really enjoy it. Right on. Thank you, my man. Yeah, um, so we recorded that album at Firebrand Recording down in St. Louis with uh, Brian Schaffer, Schaefer is the name of the uh engineer who did it he's he's fantastic to work with like super quick and easy like he's got his like drum sounds down to a science like he's really good at placing the mics and knowing what to do to get the right sound for the track and so we, we love working with him and we actually did our last couple eps with him as well 2020 and uh cheap you know which was 2019 2020 and 2019 respectively and uh you know since i started recording with smile it's just been me and sean in the studio like i'll i'll lay down the drums and he does everything else and it just comes together and we we've been sending it out to this guy uh, jimmy alexander he's down in australia he mixed sheep and black pill and then there was a guy sean dothager who mixed 2020 so basically we do the recording at firebrand we send it out to be mixed and mastered and and then we put it out so it's really awesome and i just uh i just really like the sound of it um you know just the kind of the progression from the last couple albums and you know with with black pill um you, you and sean obviously work really well together uh obviously just with the music and obviously with the live you know live show as well you guys are just really awesome you really connect thank you my man i appreciate the kind words yeah, of course uh but i i did want to talk about because i saw you made uh you made a post you know talk about uh uh, live shows and Smile Empty Soul, like, even though you are only uh, two members, that you guys can make uh, the music 100% live. And I'm curious, like, how, uh, how do you guys do that? All right, so we've been through quite a few touring basis over the last couple of years. And then after the last one that we had, like, Sean was kind of tossing the idea around of figuring out a way to do it himself. And he found this pickup called A Little Thunder. And what it is, is it's a pickup that you put in the, the neck pickup of your guitar and you turn it on, it requires like battery power. It has to be charged every so often, but you can select it to do either the first, first two or first three strings, and it'll transpose those strings down an octave in real time. And then you hook it up with a stereo output jack so you can split the signal of the two pickups so that the, the regular guitar pickup goes to his guitar signal and then his guitar amp. And then the bass signal goes into an, an entirely separate chain. And then that goes to a bass amp and he'll use tuner pedals to kill each signal so if he wants just the guitar or just the bass at any given time you know he can do that and then I, I instead of being in the back like the drummer normally would be i'm now up front on stage right with him so and i kind of turn myself at an angle so i get to be really close to the audience i get to engage with the audience more so i feel like ever since we've gone to the two-man setup like there's just been a whole different energy to our live show and 
and it's awesome you know like we both feel that fire and you know like i said like there's no backing tracks like i'm not even playing to a click track it's all just 100 percent raw and in your face the whole time and i really like that because uh, like that's rock and roll like there you know it just uh, people playing music it's it's in real time and it's live and i think that's what that's what rock and roll is uh, absolutely like like i said I'm, I'm an old soul when it comes to music and like back in the 70s you know they didn't even have that kind of technology like you just you had to be good at what you did if you wanted to do strings or if you wanted to have like keyboards if you had to have a string player or a keyboard player there was no way around it you know you had to have musicianship you just had you just had to figure out a way to do it you know and <laughs> no, exactly I, I you know it, it is very true with everything that you know if you can make, you know, if you made it in the studio and you wanted to produce it live, you have to produce it live. Like there's no, there's no cheating it when it comes to that. Exactly. So, but I think that's really cool. And I think, uh, I definitely, I've been on a kick lately, like, uh, cause I saw Dirty Honey and Mammoth Van Halen. And s since seeing that show earlier this year, like I've been on a huge kick of like, just listening to like rock and roll music that like they can produce a hundred percent live. And, I've been finding a lot of great bands who do that, obviously with you guys as well, Smile Up Your Soul. And it's just really awesome because it is so cool to see, you know, musicians play live. At least that's why like, I, I'm always entertained by it because you actually see them work and uh, produce music live. Oh, absolutely. And there's nothing like that human connection. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I'll admit, like, you know, if if some if a band can use tracks tastefully to fill out the sound, I mean, I'm all for that. You know, if it, if it makes their sound, you know, what they're looking for, you know, then more power to them. But, you know, there's just nothing like that connection of a, a real human performance, like the emotion that you get from a guitarist just in the moment, just wailing on a guitar solo. Or the drummer, like, you know, if there's a lot of energy in the room and they need to speed up a BPM or two to kind of capture that energy instead of being confined to a click track, you know, that's what, that's what it's all about to me, you know, just that, that human element. And I feel like there's a lot of bands that have kind of lost sight of that these days. and. You know, I, I'm all about that old school, just raw, in-your-face performance at all times. Yeah, I'm not, um, you know, to me, if you have backing tracks, you know, as you said, if they, if they work, you know, that it can work with the music, I think it should be an aid and not just the performance. That's mm -hmm. the way I look with the backing tracks. So if, if you can put it in and it, you know, makes sense and it works, I'm okay with that. But uh, as I think people are trying to be too perfect when it comes to this, and that's, to me, that's not really what music and rock and roll is. It, you know, it does have that human element in it. Absolutely. And I'd rather hear a band that gives a far from perfect performance that's raw and in the moment than essentially listen to the record live, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, to I totally feel you on that. And uh, so that's, you know, when, when I go to a show, I want to be entertained. I want to have a great time. And uh, that's what rock and roll does. Exactly. So I didn't want to talk because I've I'm repping the Almas shirt here. I know you were your friend oh, nice. with the Almas. Uh, I know you went on tour with uh, another uh, with the Almas, who uh, you know we were good friends with, but also a band who I'm also good friends with, uh, Autumn Academy, for the follow, uh, for the um, uh, the tour that I, was it Follow the Herd or um, I, the uh, the Follow the Herd, and the last tour we just did together was the Swallow the Pill tour. Swallow the Pill. There we go. That's I was trying to figure the the figure the tour name. I have notes, and yet I didn't put that in. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so how was the touring with the Almas and uh, Autumn Academy? Oh, dude, it was wonderful. Like, they were both such great bands. You know, I've known the Almas for years. They're incredible people, incredible musicians. They work really hard at what they do. Um, Autumn Academy, like, they were really cool and just down-to-earth guys to tour with. Um, there's one segment in their show 
where they do like a drum solo and then they both come out with the floor toms and they're all just bashing on the drums. I just think that's the coolest thing. You know, I'm a drummer, obviously I love that kind of stuff. So it was, it was definitely fun. Like hanging out with those guys every night, the last couple of weeks on the last tour. Like it was, it was a good time. Oh yeah. And no, I, I hung out with both uh, the Almas and Autumn Academy, both really awesome bands, very hardworking bands that they're, you know, they're always constantly like improving themselves, adding, you know, new things to their show. Cause you know, the, the drums uh, with Autumn Academy, just watching the way they progress with it, you know, the way they do things. I'm always impressed when they have the uh, the drums next to each other and both Brandons are playing it. And you see um, for a little bit that they're actually hitting one on each drum and they're going in between each other, in between their arms to do it, like, you know, um, to line up with the other person. It's pretty incredible. Oh, you can tell they, they rehearse that like crazy. Like, you know, it's like one of those little drum line cadences where they do all these like complex rudiments and techniques and then they kind of interact with each other. If there's a part where they like click the sticks and then they both just go ham, like it's, it's fucking cool. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they're, they're, they're both a really awesome band. So if you get a chance to see them live, definitely people should definitely check them out. But I know you were going back out on tour with Autumn Academy and Stone Eye. Uh, for the Follow the Herd tour. I wrote that tour name down. Um, so uh, how's it feel to be torn with uh, both those bands again, you know, again with Autumn Academy, but also Stone Eye coming up? I know you're hitting a lot of Midwest dates. I know you got their Fort Wayne date coming up pretty soon as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so we actually kick off in six days in Joplin, Missouri, which the Almas are actually going to be joining us for that one instead of Stone Eye, because that was one that was supposed to happen on the last tour that we had to reschedule because of the weather. There was like a giant snowstorm that came through and oh, it just made travel almost that, impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're doing it in six days. Um, that, that should be a great show. Um, I'm looking forward to hitting, you know, some of the areas that we haven't hit in a long time. Like we're going back to like Ohio and Pennsylvania. We haven't played Pennsylvania in like three years. So I'm really excited to go back there. West Virginia, I don't think we've ever played or, or no, we've played. It's been like three years again, though. So, yeah, that'll be fun. And of course, I know Autumn Academy is from like the Michiana area. So I'm sure those shows will be great. And then the Stone Eyes, I believe they're from Pennsylvania as well. So getting to play in their hometown market, you know, for their fans, like, and hopefully introduce some people who maybe haven't heard a smile, like that'll, that'll be a good opportunity for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, definitely got great uh, tour dates lined up for the Follow the Herd tour. And plus I know in the fall you're, you'll be coming to uh, my hometown, South Bend, uh, coming up, I believe September. Yeah. Uh, Cheers pub. Yeah. Hey, and yes. <laughs> Yes, the uh, infamous Cheers Pub. So I definitely, I'll be at that show for sure. I definitely look uh, look forward to rocking out with you. But a lot of great shows coming up. But for you, like, how do you prepare for a tour? Um, I just kind of, I just practice as much as I can on my own. Like, I'll get like a little routine going where like maybe like a couple weeks before I leave, like I'll make a Spotify playlist of all the songs we're going to do on the tour and just kind of jam along. And then over time, like after I've jammed them once or twice, then I'll take the backing away and I'll just play the songs from memory and just go for it. And I have a little app, you know, called Live BPM that I use to like track my BPMs in real time while I'm playing. So I can see like how well I'm keeping time on each song without, you know, any backing whatsoever, just going from memory. That way, no matter what, I know that I'll be, I'll be solid when it comes time to get on the road. Because we don't, you know, we live so far away. Sean lives in Arkansas now and I live all the way out in California. So there's not really any way for us to get together and rehearse. So basically the sound checks are our rehearsal time. 
like when we get into the club we'll we'll jam like two or three songs and it's whichever songs we think we need to work on or what we've been doing is we've got studio time coming up so the songs that we're going to record we'll use the sound checks to work on those songs and kind of bring them together and for those i will throw a click track on because we do record to a click in the studio and we just try to figure out what's the perfect tempo for that song like does it need to be sped up or slowed down at all like are there any parts that we still need to refine so that that's how we use our our rehearsal time <laughs> yeah and i didn't know you guys really like the the sound check for you guys is really like you know uh actually you know seeing each other you know uh to actually um you know, uh, uh, pretty much rehearse and actually, uh, you know, hammer out some songs too, uh, as well. So I, it, it is very important. Like I thought sound check was really for sound, but for you guys, do you actually use it uh, very beneficial uh, to play together? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to make the most of the time we've got, you know, and either way, like whether we're playing songs we know or that we're working on, like we're still, you know, he's, he's playing hard, he's singing hard. And I'm of course bashing away on the drums. So we're still getting that sound dialed in as we would for the show. You know, but we're also being productive with that time at the same time. Yeah, really, no time wasted for you guys using it very, very wisely uh, for uh, to actually uh, hammer out some stuff and to pretty much almost rehearse. So that's pretty yeah, cool. Absolutely, and then we always try to like schedule studio time like either right before or right after a tour. That way, you know, we're already together. We can just Warm go up. in together. You know, spend a couple days in the studio, and then once I'm all done doing the drum tracks and like sometimes we'll film a music video because our music video guy that we've been working with, uh, Juan Ibanez, he's also in St. Louis. So it works out perfect that we can just knock out all that stuff and then I can go home to California afterwards or or wherever I end up going. Yeah, it kind of makes it, it makes sense too because like you guys are already kind of warmed up from tour, you know, instead of, uh, you know, having to go back, take, you know, rest up. You're already kind of in the mode. You're already game to do it. So you might as well just strike while, you know, you guys are still warm and still hot doing this. Oh, absolutely. So it makes a lot of sense. And now for you, uh, is there any songs that like you really enjoy playing live? So one song that we started playing on the last tour that we we didn't play at first when we went to the two-man setup because it's one that's got a really cool bass line, but we figured out a way to pull it off. And it's 1984, which is off of our sheet EP. That one's got a really cool groove to it. It's got some odd time signatures going on. And so it's definitely one that requires a lot of concentration on my end, but it's just such a cool song to play. Um, I really love playing Bottom of a Bottle. You know, it's it's the hit that everybody loves. It's got a lot of energy. It's in your face. You know, I love like just seeing people go nuts when we play it. Like, it's just, it's one of those, like, I, I really have to like, you know, I can't contain the energy that I've got when that song comes in. I'm just like, you know, bashing away. <laughs> um, Entitled is another fun one off our 2020 EP. That's another, just in your face, like just pounding the piss out of the drums the whole time. So basically any song where there's a lot of energy and I can just hit hard and just unleash that energy. Like it's, it's always fun. Oh yeah, for sure. It's fun. Like when I go to shows, if the people on stage are getting into the show, I'm getting in the show too, because it's just the energy. It's very uh, contagious. And just once you see someone else get into it, everyone else gets into it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, for you, uh, how many drumsticks do you go through uh, uh, in a show? It, you know, it really depends on the night, my man. Like, you know, I try to work on my technique. You know, I, as hard as I hit, I try not to hit through the drums. I try to make it more of like a, a circular motion. You know, that's one thing I learned from Neil Peer. You know, like as hard as he hit, he like almost never broke sticks. Um, so I sometimes have nights where I don't break any sticks. I have nights where maybe I'll break one or two. I've had nights where I've broken like 10 in like less than 45 minutes. So... 
it really just depends on how hard I'm hitting and if I'm being mindful of my technique or not, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, te techniques very important. Just Neil Pert, I think he had, he had like that whole technique down. He was super sound with everything he was doing and very mindful. Absolutely. And like technique was so perfect with him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one thing, like I do break a lot of sticks, but I've also been breaking my snare a lot. Like I feel like every tour, every tour, there's something like either like some of like the lug casings, like the swivel nuts inside the lugs will actually like snap. And then I'll have to like go in and unscrew everything and fix it. Like it happens at least once every tour. And sometimes the bottom head will break. Sometimes the top head will break. Um, I've actually had one time, I think like one of the tension rods actually broke in half, which I've never had happen before. I've so, never heard of that either. <laughs> the best I know. <laughs> it's like sometimes I don't realize how hard I actually hit until like stuff starts going wrong. It's not supposed to go wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I do I, I do hope for the upcoming tour uh, nothing breaks, but I don't know. It's not a guarantee. But I, I hope the best for you and your equipment. Oh, thank you. I, I did bring a bunch of extra parts just in case it happens, so that way I'm prepared. I'm going to do a nice little repair job on the snare and get it ready and Hopefully, I won't have any issues with it after that. Did you bring duct tape with you? Oh, we, we always carry that. Okay, good. <laughs> it's kind of an essential. <laughs> That's right. Duct tape is, I can't think of only like that or like the flex tape stuff, mostly because I just like the way he, the, the enthusiasm of him uh, slapping flex tape on uh, made me want to buy some. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And some I just saw. I know uh, we're still talking about the live show, but was it a little bit of a transition for you, for you and Sean to go from you know a three piece with a bassist to now just you and Sean? Was there a little bit of like a learning curve with that? A little bit. I mean, so Sean had to completely relearn how to play some of the songs, you know, because there's you know there's some songs where now he's responsible for keeping the low end. So there might be some chords he did in a certain spot in the guitar that he would have to do it somewhere else to get the low end right, but also. Like it's a matter of him being able to do that and sing at the same time. And there's some songs that we just can't do anymore because it's either the bass line's way too different and it would really take away from the overall sound of the song or it's just too hard to do. Like there's a lot of pedal dancing that's required, like having to start and stop the, the signals, you know, at certain times. So like there's some songs that we just can't do. So we really just had to sit and figure out, okay, which songs can we do with the setup? And fortunately, like a lot of the hits we can still do because they're pretty simple, you know, the chord progressions are relatively straightforward, the bass line follows along for the most part, so it's not really too much different. Um, for me, it didn't really change much other than the fact that I'm closer to the audience. Um, but, you know, now that there's only two of us locking in with each other instead of three, I almost feel like our performances have even gotten a little bit tighter, because Sean and I have been playing together for almost four years now, so we've kind of got our, you know, our usual, like, playing styles, like, down and locked in with each other, so... I feel like every tour, like we just get more and more locked in with the songs that we've been playing for years, but also like, you know, the new songs that we've done, you know, there's a certain chemistry there and cause we've been writing them with the two man setup in mind. So I just, I feel like it's, it's just been jolling together pretty, pretty easily. You know, the first tour, it was kind of like the, kind of like the, the test run. Cause we, we started doing this right before COVID came and like canceled our tour plans for all of 2020. So 2021 was the first time we were able to, try the two-man setup out live. So Sean had a bit of time to fuck with it in between that whole time we were off, but that was the first time we actually got to do it together. And even from that tour to the next tour, like there were certain things that like, you know, we figured out like, okay, you know, this, this will work better here, you know? And so it's definitely, it's definitely developed over time for sure.
that's really good. It sounds like you guys got like most of it down pretty much where, you know, obviously, the, you know, working together, you know, before even, you know, trying this transition, I think helped you guys because you already have that chemistry, that relationship established. Plus, you can be closer to the stage. I don't know if you're familiar with the lines of loyalty. Uh, they kind of mm-hmm. have a similar setup. And I always thought that was cool, you know, because, you know, drummers kind of, they get buried in the back a little bit where you don't get to see them working as hard. You know, you don't really get to yeah. see them working. And it's always cool to, you know, to watch. I, I like watching all the different musicians. So I try to, you know, check out the drummer, see what he's doing. I know, like, some for the spins, some for their sticks. You know, it's cool to see what they, what kind of flares and different things they do. Oh, absolutely. So I got, as I'm kind of closing out this interview, I do got some couple questions. I have some very question I've been throwing into this uh, in my interviews lately because I'm always curious. Okay. What have been your favorite moments uh, for from Smile Empty Soul so far? Some of my favorite moments. Okay. Well, that's tough because there's been a lot of great experiences. Um, it's cool. Like, you know, we've, we've done a lot of really cool shows, a lot of tours and some pretty neat places. Um, one of our favorite things to do, like when we're off the stage, is try to find cool restaurants to eat at like really, really cool, like local joints, wherever we're at that just have really good food. Um, so we've discovered a lot of cool stuff, like as far as barbecue goes, um, there's Terry Black's in Austin, Texas. And then uh, there's this place called Joe's in Kansas City that's also really good, like some of the best barbecue I've ever had. And then for like Chinese, like Asian food, like there's this place in North Hollywood, California, actually close to where I live called Krutai. And that's some of the best Thai food I've ever had in my life. So I've, I've gotten to experience a lot of great food as part of the part of the touring process. But also some of the shows that we've played are like things I never thought I'd ever do. Like we played the main stage at Incarceration in 2019. And we did the main stage at Blue Ridge Rock Fest in 2019, which we're also doing again this year. I don't, I don't know what stage we're on just yet, but, you know, hopefully the main stage. That would be awesome to do that again. But yeah, we've done some cool festivals. I've gotten to open for some really awesome bands. Um, like we're going on tour with Tantric in the fall. Like those guys are fun to play with. Um, you know, we've done shows like when we when we played Blue Ridge, we opened for Godsmack. You know, they headlined that stage. Um, Stone Temple Pilots played that stage too. Like I actually got to like look and see Eric Kretz's kit backstage, and and even see the guys walking around backstage. Like it was it was just kind of a trip because that's a band I've looked up to since I was a kid and. To be to be on that same stage with them, it was just like, wow, is this really happening right now? <laughs> so I've had some pretty pretty awesome experiences, like experiences where I have to try not to fanboy too much because I am still a music lover at heart, even though I'm a professional musician myself now. But still, like getting to share the stage with some musicians I've looked up to for a long time is really cool. Oh yeah, definitely. It sounds like a trip and a really cool experience, especially you know when you're first starting out, you don't you know, really think uh, you know. This is like, oh, it'd be cool if you know I get to share a stage or you know get to you know open for them. But then it actually happens. Like it just, it's a very unique experience, and I, I would fanboy out too. I would do the same thing if it was right. me. <laughs> I'm just, being, or if I meet people, I, you know, I'm getting better where I don't act as nervous. But like, there's some people who like I, I I've met and I go, man, why? I just sounded so stupid. Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting better with that. <laughs> Oh yeah, me too. I, I I've always been relatively socially awkward, but the older I get, the more I find that confidence and that will not to say anything too stupid, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the too stupid part. I still I I still do that occasionally. Like you know, airline food. What's up with that? Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's really awesome. And 
I have to throw in one wacky question before I uh, wrap up this interview. What are five things that are guaranteed to be in your refrigerator? Five things that are guaranteed to be in my refrigerator. Oh my gosh. Um, pop. I love pop. Um, Coca-Cola, root beer, um, whatever I'm in the mood, orange soda. Like I love all kinds of soda. Um, pop or energy drinks. I'm going to count that as the same one because yeah. they're basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, grapes. I love grapes. Um, orange juice. I do like orange juice. Um, what else? Does does a freezer count or does it have to be fridge? Eh, freezer, sure. I mean, it's your interview. You can stretch it if you want. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like other fridge things. Um, I keep usually keep a thing of heavy cream because I do love to make pastas like Alfredo's and mac and cheeses and spaghetti. And I've been learning how to make the sauces myself because I love fettuccine Alfredo more than anything. So I'm always trying to perfect that recipe. So I keep heavy cream usually. And then I keep a bunch of frozen meals just in case I'm too lazy to cook anything. Like I'll keep like frozen fettuccine Alfredos or like chickens or, you know, just whatever, whatever looks delicious. You know, I'll always peruse the selection at the grocery store and just whatever I'm in the mood for, I'll just stock up on a couple of them. I, I do like that. How uh, how close are you to perfecting the uh, fettuccine Alfredo? Um, mm, still got a ways to go, you know. Like, and that's that's the beauty of, of cooking, you know. It's just like you know, with anything, like experimentation is key. You know, I found a recipe that I really like that I think tastes good, but now I'm in the experimental phase. Where okay, next time I make it, I'm going to try using these cheeses instead, or I'm going to try you know, maybe adding this much of this, and just seeing how it affects the flavor of it and. You know, from there, I'll kind of learn, you know, what I like and, you know, how I'd want to make my own, like, signature recipe and just take it from there, you know? I really like that mindset, too, because you can, you know, apply that to everything. Once you get the base down of, like, this is, like, kind of the procedure of how to do it, then you're like, okay, now I can start, you know, maybe I'll try this or do this, or maybe I'll try, you know, change it up just a little bit. And I think that's really cool. And it obviously applies to music, life, pretty much everything. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's good to experiment not only you know, for taste reasons, but also for health reasons too. Like I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful of what I'm putting in my body and paying attention to like, you know, the ingredients that are in certain things and like how they affect my health and my body. And so, you know, I try to be mindful of, of those things and make choices for recipes that, you know, maybe will preserve the taste that I like, but might be a little bit healthier than those frozen meals that are packed with sodium and packed with things that maybe aren't so good to be eating all the time. So, yeah, for sure. I know I've been, I, I haven't been super you know, as healthy as I can be, especially lately, because I, to me, I've just been very busy and I've been making excuses why, you know, either not to work out, not do yoga, you know, not to eat properly. So I am trying to at least start to, you know, make that change and hopefully, uh, hopefully get back to, to uh, getting a little, feeling a little bit more healthy. I know I've been not doing as much yoga as I used to. I, I, I started like right before COVID hit, I really started doing yoga. And then I uh, kind of recently kind of fell off with that. So I'm trying to get back into doing that. I feel you. I, I, I struggle with holding myself accountable for those kind of things as well. I used to always run around the block like three times a week. I'd go for like three or four miles and I would do like push-ups and sit-ups and just, you know, healthy things. And, and then I, I fall into these funks sometimes. And I get lazy. It's like, oh, I, I can't run because I got to do this and I don't want to be too tired. But 
you know, it's like at the end of the, then, then it just snowballs into one thing or another. And then the next thing I know, like months have gone by and I've just been sitting on the couch and not exercising or doing anything healthy. So I always have to try to hold myself accountable and have this voice in my head that says, Hey, you're being lazy. Like get back out there and go do something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I took a, I took a few days off, uh, like last, you know, cause I, I started working out again and I took a few days off cause like Easter I was, you know, you know, uh, really busy like with last week. So, getting back into it this week, it was kind of brutal. It was like you know, I just took like a half a week off, and um, yeah, it was a little bit of a rough transition to get back into working out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, for you, as uh, as I'm wrapping up this interview, I should have transitioned better from health to uh, wrapping up this interview, but I didn't. That's okay. Um, okay. <laughs> what are the plans for Smile Up Be Soul uh, for uh, the rest of this year? Okay, so we are about to leave on the Follow the, Her the Herd tour um, in six days, and that's going to be about a three-and-a-half-week run in the Midwest and the Northeast. Um, then we're in the studio after that. We're tracking our new EP called The Loss of Everything, and then we're going on tour with Tantric in – august and that one's called the loss of all things tour and on that tour we're going to be doing a couple festivals including the northwoods rock rally in glenflora wisconsin lots of awesome bands playing that i can't wait and then blue ridge rock fest in virginia later in september that one i'm really looking forward to as well and then i know we have more tour plans in like october november somewhere around that area which i believe we're going to be going back down to florida and the southeast which is usually in the winter months we stay south where it's warmer and we come up north in the warmer months like in the spring and summer so yep just the usual tour grind and just staying busy and we'll be putting out some new music around october-ish as well i believe so just to stay in busy that's the plan hey right on i i'd rather be busy than not so really happy for you guys got some great shows coming up two really great tours some festival dates uh that's actually very smart to tour in the warm weather in the winter and then come up uh, the midwest in the um, summertime that's actually very smart <laughs> yeah absolutely and we try not to overplay a market too much you know like you know there's markets like what well, we try to come to like once a year but you don't want to overdo it either because it's like then it kind of messes with your draw and gets people like yeah. you, you want to get people excited that you know, have to wait to see it again but then it makes that wait worth it you know what i mean yeah there's a really there's a big balance with everything uh you want to obviously go to shows you know get the draw but also you know not keep going back to the same place because then the, you know the well is going to dry up and you know you're not going to get as big of a draw every time so there's really a balance with everything you know people think you just go around playing shows but there's so much you know to actually you know plan out shows do shows and you know really think about it that there's a lot to it yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, we actually get a lot of comments on our social medias. Like, I'll see, like, when we make our tour announcements, like, we'll see people be like, hey, how come you're not coming to Texas? Or how come you're not coming to Florida? It's like, well, the last tour, we just did, like, seven Florida dates. And we just did, like, all these Texas states. Like, you know, it's going to it's gonna be a, a minute before we come back because, you know, we can't, you know, do Texas ever. I mean, I'd love to do Texas every tour if we could. But, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, we do have to space it out every so often just because if you overplay, you know, that's not a good thing either. So... But, you know, for people who are, you know, keeping up on our tour dates, you know, the best place to do it is obviously social media. Um, you can hit that button like up at the top where you hit like following and then you can put us in your favorites. That way you'll always see our posts, you know, first, because sometimes those tour announcements do get buried in the social media algorithms. So, you know, and this goes for any band, like, you know, if you're trying to follow any band, like always hit that favorites button. That way you'll be the first to know when these announcements pop up and you won't miss another one. 
Yeah, very, very good tip as well. Because with, with social media, you know, I, I try, I actively try to have to, you know, I have to stay up with, you know, with stuff because I'm, you know, obviously media and press and all that. But yeah, if, if you're not really looking for stuff, like it doesn't come to you and you have to like come, you know, you have to come to it pretty much. Yeah, I'm finding more and more that's true these days. Like, and I, I've seen, you know, bands make announcements like, you know, or I'd, I'd see that they played somewhere close to me like months ago. I was like, oh my God, how did I miss that? But it's like, you really, you really have to go hunt for it now these days, it seems like, so. Yeah, it seems like uh, I'm seeing posts that are like four or five days old, like on my Facebook feed. I was like, well, I wish I would have known about that when it was happening four or five days ago. But right. Now we're here. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to drop some links for Smile Up Your Soul and uh, the social media links as well in the description of the interview. Make sure to check out stream support. See them live when you can. As I said, follow the Herd Tour starting on April 28th as well. But Ty, I had a really great time chatting with you. Thank you so much for the really great interview. Absolutely, my man. It was my pleasure. It was a great time. Hey, that's what I go for here on Super Cool Radio. But uh, for Tidal Rose of Smile Up Your Soul, I'm your host as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Super Cool Radio. Stay frosty. <laughs> Stay frosty. <laughs>